This is the Garden Path Podcast. Welcome to another episode, gardeners. I'm your host, Misty Little, and as I mentioned a few episodes ago, I am slowly getting back into guest interviews here. My guest today is one who has been on the podcast before, Dr. Mark Merriweather Vorderbruggen. He was on episode 3-20 back in March of 2018, where we talked about his extensive foraging background. He reached out to me a few months ago to come on the podcast to talk about medicinal plants and more specifically those that can be found in your kitchen garden. As soon as I knew I was ready to have guests back on the podcast, I got in touch with Mark and we had a nice chat about medicinal herbs the week after the snowpocalypse here in Texas. Thinking of plants in a medicinal aspect is something new for me, at least in the notion of actually utilizing them myself. I've known about their compounds and potency for a while now, but I haven't really taken the steps to actually make use of them in this way. My conversation with Mark definitely spurred my interest in delving into the world of medicinal herbs, and I think it will get you to think a little bit differently on some of your favorite culinary plants. All right, on to the episode. Uh, yeah, so I guess maybe we can start off. Uh, <laughs> I guess you've recuperated from the freeze and snowpocalypse and everything's good that way. Yeah, um, for the most part, it looks like uh, my Meyer lemon tree is dead. And I'm not sure about one of my guavas. And I'm kind of concerned about the satsuma and the kum. Basically, I'm worried about the citrus. Citrus, yeah. Yeah, our, uh, our lemon looks pretty bad. The satsumas and another orange i don't know if it's another satsuma as well look okay for now um so yeah it's time will tell but they're all all of the major you know 20 year old trees that are huge look terrible so yeah uh, we'll see yeah. what happens yeah yeah so on the other hand certain things that i thought were dead are coming back and like my chickasaw plum actually has blooms on it now which it's never had before yeah, I saw your post uh, this yeah. morning about that. Ah, That's exciting. Yeah, yeah that yeah. and a goji or wolfberry. Yeah, so yeah, we'll good, see. Good. Well, I, you've been on the podcast before, but there I have a lot of new listeners since then. So maybe if you can just do a quick introduction to who you are, your background in foraging and herbal medicine, and, and you're, you're professionally a lot different now than you were <laughs> a few years ago. So a little bit about, about you now. Sure. Uh, so my name is Mark Merriweather Vorderbruggen. Uh, by trade, I'm a PhD chemist, master's in medicinal chemistry, PhD in physical organic chemistry. So not making the molecules, but figuring out which molecules are best for the job that needs to be done. Um, I spent 18 years in the oil industry designing environmentally friendly replacements for traditionally less friendly oil field <laughs> chemicals using my knowledge of plant chemistry, because that's where my true passion is. I grew up, my parents were very, very, very connected with nature. Every day we were out going for walks in the wild, and both mom and dad would be pointing out all the different plants that their grandparents taught them to eat and use medicinally growing up. And so foraging became just a thing I did. Uh, turns out, though, a lot of other people were really interested in that, and by 2008, I started teaching classes all around Texas on foraging and using the plants for food and medicine while still keeping my day job in the oil industry. 2016 hit, the oil industry fell apart, all the scientists were let go, and I was immediately picked up by a consumer chemicals company. Basically, if it was flammable or poisonous, this company mm. did it <laughs> and you know, slapped some of their company's name on it, toll manufacturer. But uh, I was brought in to revamp their line and come up with more environmentally friendly, safer ways of doing things like stripping paint. Yeah. 
did that for three years, but then a year ago, I was picked up by Medicine Man Plant Co. Uh, it's a startup. It's three guys in a dream. Uh, we are bringing back the ancestral plants for treating modern issues. And so far, we've been we've been doing okay with that. So I am the herbalist chemist face of the company. I'm the medicine man, which is what I always planned on being <laughs> until the oil industry offered me just gobs of money. Yeah, and then <laughs> so, how it goes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, so, I mean, I don't want to go too down that, down that rabbit hole too much, but do you have your own lab? Are you doing the lab stuff at your house? How does that work since so, it's a little bit different? It's it's mostly yeah at my house the formulations uh, I create and then I send the recipe off to a, a a toll manufacturer of dietary supplements they make up a uh, hundred capsules of it I pass it out to my friends that have particular issues that I'm trying to work with and say okay does this one work for you yes no and go back and forth like that until I got something that I feel is ready for. Well, the world, really, because we've just expanded, hopefully, into Canada and the European Union once we get all the paperwork fixed. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds exciting. Definitely a different path than uh, you were going down. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Well, you'd reach out to me because you were interested in uh, talking a little bit about spring gardening and medicinal uh, herbs and, and just medicinal plants in general for um, spring gardening. So maybe we can we can just start there. You, you sent me a list of plants, but we can run down some of those. And I know some of mine aren't looking so great right now either. <laughs> Wait to back. see what comes back. And um, especially my oregano, giving a big haircut. Um, mm. But yeah, just we can run down some of these and... Uh, yeah, I would like to know a lot about some of them because I have not done a lot of medicinal herb, uh, you know, I use them for culinary uses, but I, I don't haven't done the tinctures or anything like that. Sure. Yeah. So a lot of the culinary herbs started out as medicinal herbs and they just kind of started being incorporated into the daily diet just to help as a preventative maintenance, if you will to keep us up and running. And if I can go sideways for a second, if you think about it, up until, well, actually up until 1836, all our medicine came from the wild, well, from mm -hmm. plants, yeah, both wild and domesticated, like the herbs we'll talk about today, those were domesticated and grown specifically for both medicine and food. But really, we evolved with these plants. If you think about it, the the People that responded best to the medicinal properties of these plants were the most likely to survive, evolution and survival of the fittest. So they passed those benefic you know, beneficial genes that interacted well with the plant medicine on to their children and so on and so forth. So we really are genetically primed to respond to these plants. And so things like sage and oregano and basil and cayenne pepper are, are some very strong medicinal herbs. Uh, but then also there are certain plants like purslane and scarlet pimpernel that are now considered weeds, but also have some really great powers. So why don't we just jump in with sage? Yeah, sounds perfect. I mean, I think so many people probably already have that in their garden and go pick it up at the garden center. It's really easy to access. I love sage so much and its powers that I would be putting it in my coffee every morning until Medicine Man came up with a, a more advanced <laughs> formulation. But yeah, I, in my five cup instant, well, not five cup, you know, Mr. Coffee type coffee mm -hmm. maker thingy, uh, I would put in about a quarter teaspoon of sage mixed in with the coffee grounds. 
because it is loaded with stuff. So it has 160 different medicinal uh, compounds. And I, I could list the names like chlorogenic acid and caffeinic, you know, but it's, it's, it doesn't yeah, mean yeah. much. But uh, they are associated with a number of different health benefits, starting with lowering the risk of cancer to improve memory, focus, and function, really. Mm-hmm. So one study found that drinking one cup, 240 milliliters of sage tea twice daily significantly inter, uh, increased antioxidant defenses. Remember, antioxidants, we always hear that they're good for you. Yeah. But no one really quite understands what they do. Think of them as Captain America walking with you know the troops and suddenly someone throws a hand grenade at the troops. Captain America leaps down on top of the hand grenade so when the explosion goes off, it doesn't destroy the general troop sort of thing. Yeah. The antioxidants, they capture and destroy what are called free radicals. Free radicals are hyper-reactive molecules that form in our body through uh, environmental toxins or just certain natural processes, uh, stress, things like that. Uh, But these things want to find something and react with it. And if they hit your DNA, which they love reacting with (laughs) DNA, can either damage the DNA, which kills that particular cell, which is actually in the scheme of things better then if they hit that strand of DNA and mutate it just enough where you start getting cancer. Yeah. So one of the big things, whenever you hear the term antioxidant, think anti-cancer. Okay. So, but there's more. (laughs) (laughs) So you're familiar with cholesterol and the low density uh, lipids and the high density lipids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're good, they're bad, certain are good. The antioxidants, they help increase, and sage in particular has been shown to lower the concentration of the LDLs, the low-density lipids, the bad ones, while raising the good ones. So sometimes some of the herbs that have anti-cholesterol effects will lower the bad ones, but also lower the good ones. The good ones are used in all sorts of structures, like your your cellular membranes, the myelin sheath, you know, that Mm -hmm. wraps around your nerves and so forth. So the sage drops a bad, raises the good. Okay. That's really neat. So how many, I'm just get back to the how, how to use it a little bit so are you throwing in like just you grab five leaves off your plant you throw it in the, in the basket with the rest of the coffee or is this ground you've dried it that sort of thing okay let's let's that's a great question let's talk about cell walls and plant physiology so remember plants have a hard rigid cell wall because they don't have bones they need something to support them that cell wall is actually a very strong barrier. Everything inside the cell is trapped. It really can't get out through that cell wall. So if you just take the green leaves off the plant and drop them into a cup of hot water or your coffee grounds, you're actually not going to get much of the medicinal properties. Okay. But plants have a thing. When they die, they want to return all those nutrients and all that stuff trapped in the cell walls back to the soil. So the last thing they do, the last enzyme that is triggered when the plant thinks it's dead, it's, this enzyme actually starts chewing holes through that cell wall, purpose being then so the stuff inside the cell walls or inside the cells can get out again. Right. If you ever freeze green beans, you know you need to blanch it first. Yep. 
Otherwise, they turn to mush in yep. the freezer. That <laughs> enzyme is destroying the cell wall. So in the case of wanting the medicinal properties of plants, you need to not blanch them. You need to just let that enzyme do its thing. So it takes about two weeks. There will be a bunch of holes through the cell wall now. The water will quickly evaporate. Once the water is gone, that enzyme stops. So you basically have plant jerky. Mm-hmm. With all sorts of holes through the cell wall. So now when you put it in your hot water or in your coffee, the medicinal properties can escape and go okay. to your drink. Okay. okay. So uh, my house looks like a witch's shop. There's herbs <laughs> hanging all over the place, drying so that when I go to use them in an infusion or a tea, tincture, whatever, uh, they can let the molecules go. Right, right, right. And so, I mean, I'm just thinking about my coffee. I drink it black. You don't get any, uh, what's the flavor on that? Is it sagey? Sagey, you yeah. You're going to say the flavor? <laughs> yeah, and it actually goes well. Everyone that I've introduced it to likes it. Okay. So if you like sage, and you're, I, I drink my coffee black too, no sugar, no cream, nothing but caffeine and yep. sage and <laughs> the antioxidants and all that stuff, and, and away I go. All right, all right. Um, well, no. no I want to also just make sure there's no contraindications, like people shouldn't be down in sage. Is there anything that... Okay, there yeah. is, like with everything, there are some sides to keep aware of. One of the things with sage is it does have estrogen-like properties too. Some of the compounds have estrogen-like properties, which is kind of good because they've shown that these things uh, can help, especially with the uh, hot flashes hmm. that are associated with menopause. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there are certain cancers that uh, estrogen triggers or, you know, are make worse. Yeah. Which is why, you know, they kind of go back and forth on estrogen supplements and so forth. Yeah. Women. So if you are prone to that particular type of cancer or someone in your family has it, then, yeah, you probably don't want to have sage. But that's really the main thing there. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that's definitely interesting. I might have to give it a whirl sometime. <laughs> okay. There's more to sage that I can Okay. Talk about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Another yeah. big one is that, well, so in your brain, you have these chemical messengers like acetylcholine, which plays a role in memory. As, well, one of the, the symptoms or causes, there's still some decisions going on there, but people with Alzheimer's, they have reduced amounts of acetylcholine. The compounds in sage interfere with the breakdown of acetylcholine. So in your brain, you know, when, or anywhere in your body, once a hormone has done its job, it then gets broken down and recycled. So it's mm-hmm. changed into things. So in the case of Alzheimer's, there's indications that maybe the brain is too aggressively breaking down the acetylcholine, hmm. but the compounds in sage have found to... Uh, slow down the breakdown of acetylcholine so you have more of the acetylcholine in your brain to do the messenger thing okay so uh yeah the uh the scientific research on that uh it was only 39 participants getting the real stuff and 39 getting the placebo but there was a very marked increase in return of abilities by the Alzheimer's patients who are getting the sage. Okay. Now, so, what's the uh, dosage on that? Are they, I mean, they need to drink their sage coffee every day for three months, or is it like you start seeing effects of that? 
know. The, the test or the study was only four months long, but after okay. four months, they saw a significant difference in hmm. the ones. And it goes back to the uh, concentration wise, uh, think about a tea bag's worth. So okay. I mentioned earlier, okay. two cups of, you know, it was 240 milliliters. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how much is in a tea bag. At yeah. I've, you know, kind of varies. Yeah. Yeah. But approximately that much. Okay. Hmm. All right. So, but wait, there uh, we can go on stage <laughs> for a while. Uh, well, I, I think, I think let's just maybe work on uh, covering some of the others. And then if okay. we have any more time, we can well, go back well, to stage. It sounds like a good can one. Can I say about the anti-cancer stuff? <laughs> But because it, 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 this is really cool um, with the, the cancer, they found sage. They've tested it against mouth, colon, liver, cervix, breast, skin and kidney. And it's uh, helped with all those sorts of cancers. So, OK. 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 Now, so sage is almost like a miracle plant. It sounds it like it really is. That's that's why I start with it. And that's why I have it every day. I, if there's a chance to me to include sage in a meal, it goes in the meal. All right. Okay. Another real popular one is oregano. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of different types. Um, but they generally all have the same powers. Uh, there's a mixture of powers. So some might be better than others, you know, like the Greek or the common oregano, that sort of thing. But uh, again, they're very high in antioxidants, but we already talked about that. So let's talk about their antimicrobial mm. power. So oregano, as far as antimicrobial, it's the second best of the herbs. The <laughs> thyme, thyme I, I never know how to say it. Some people say thyme, but we'll go with thyme, is the best. <laughs> okay. But there's a compound in it uh, that's very potent. Um, one of the things that happened during the snow apocalypse winter storm here in Texas is a lot of people had no water. Mm -hmm. and, and so I was getting questions, you know, what can I do? you know, at least from hygiene. And the answer is, if you have no water and you know, one of the big issues when you can't clean yourself is after using the bathroom, you may be contaminated with something that then, you know, yeah. E. coli or something. So I was telling people, look in your culinary, you know, in your, your, your seasoning herb cabinet, do you have oregano or do you have thyme, thyme? Take that and just rub it on your hands. Just use it like a dry rub and get that <laughs> antimicrobial effects going on you. Your hands are going to smell nice, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you have it in your garden, it's freezing. Harvest it and start rubbing it on your hands. I mean, it's not as good as a hand sanitizer. Yeah. But still way up there. Okay. Good there. Um, the other thing, drinking it as a tea helps soothe respiratory issues and inflamed respiratory and also as kind of an expectorant. Hmm. So if you are coughing and hacking and, you know, all the, you know, irritated sinuses and all that sort of thing, oregano tea actually is very soothing for that. Hmm. So okay. the, the final thing, and its main use why it became more of a culinary herb is it helps stimulate digestive juices, which aids in digestion. Right, so right. you have more stomach acid, you have more of the enzymes there. One of the nice things about that is that if someone 
uh, isn't eating a lot, like different, you know, cancer patient or someone who isn't eating much, uh, adding oregano to the dish will help them extract more of the nutrients from the food before it, you know, passes through. Hmm. So benefit okay. there. Okay. I think if I started drinking oregano tea, I would just want pizza because that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> yeah, it goes it loaded up on the pizza. You know, pizza for breakfast with lots of oregano and sage. You're there you go. good. <laughs> and then as far as interactions or, or negative side effects with oregano, none have been found. Oh, okay. Well, that's so good. Really good there. All right. Okay, jumping down to to basil. You know, we're just talking pizza toppings. Here. Yeah, we are. <laughs> hey, there we go. Proof that pizza is, you know, proof God loves us. Yes. So, Okay. Uh, one of the cool things about the basil, in particular the sweet basil, it's very, very high in vitamin K. Mm, okay. So, you know, people don't, you know, they always hear about vitamin C and vitamin A, vitamin D, not so much about vitamin K, um, but it's in there in large quantities. One of the effects then from the sweet basil, it, it reduces memory loss associated with stress and aging. Oh, I need that then. <laughs> we all do. So very good there. Another thing, though, it has uh, well, antidepressant type powers, especially with depression related to extreme stress and long-term stress. Hmm. So another thing is it's been shown to reduce uh, damage from strokes and speed up recovery uh, if taken prophylactically so taken you know before you know every day you know before the stroke occurs nothing, right you know, it's going to happen preventative yeah yeah but also right after if the person you know i'm not saying you know if a person is having a stroke <laughs> give them a slice of pizza that would probably not be the right way. no but it's something to keep in mind especially in you know like a few weeks ago when there's already some sort of emergency going on where there is limited time for or it takes a while for emergency services right. to respond to a call. Something to keep in mind. Uh, okay, so it does improve the fasting blood sugar, cholesterol, and triglycerides. <laughs> reduces blood pressure in people with hypertension. Always a good thing. And basically what it does uh, for that is it causes a relaxation in the blood vessels so they become more flexible. So okay. the heart is pumping the blood. The, the vessels have more flex to them. So the, to get an equal amount of fluid flowing through it, since the vessels are basically bigger now, yeah. it takes less work from the heart. Right. That's really, really good for you. Okay. All right. I need to keep... Oh, and then, you know, being an antioxidant, it's anti-cancer. Um. Another cool thing, especially as a mouthwash or gargle, it inhibits the growth of bacteria that's been shown to cause uh, tooth decay. Oh, that's interesting. So if you okay. don't like the Listerine, or I shouldn't be naming brand name, you don't like yeah. the alcohol. Right, stuff. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you don't like the chemical fluid. Try gargling with oregano. Yeah. And Perfect. finally, repels insects, mosquitoes, and wood ticks. Yeah, you just rub it all over your body. <laughs> Or planted I mean, everywhere if, by if your patio. Consume, sorry. If you consume as much as I do, you, you start developing an oregano <laughs> and stage type essence, well, if you will. All right. 
So along with the sweet basil, there's also the one known as holy basil or Tulsi, Mm -hmm. uh, which does all of the above. But in blood sugar control, it's astounding. It's shown to reduce blood sugar by 18%. Oh, wow. Or whatever. Yeah. So um, it does have some estrogen-like effects again, though. So the, the, the estrogen warnings are out there. Um, there's also a very potential good or bad, again, depending on the situation, the holy basil, it may trigger, uh, contractions in pregnant women. So if you're pregnant, uh, hold off on the holy basil until close to the end. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. There was another, there's another plant that does that. And I'm trying to remember what it was. Cause I remember when I was pregnant, they said to avoid it and I can't think of it at the moment. Yeah, I'd have to go through my notes. There, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, there are herbs that may change the taste of the mother's milk and cause the baby to go, ew, what's this? Yeah, yeah. So it's different things like that, too. I will say WebMD is a good place to look up potential issues with okay. prescription, over-the-counter drugs, and herbs. Nice. So. Okay. That's handy. Okay. Another really good one, and once people start hearing its powers, they start dumping it in their food is the cayenne pepper and hot peppers in general. So the capsaicin in it, uh, one of the first things it does is it increases your metabolism, uh, metabolism. And so there's across the board about a 5% increase in burning calories after taking the, the cayenne pepper. Okay. So it's real popular for people, especially before working out, because, you know, a little bit of cayenne pepper and they're burning 5% more calories. Hey, that's 5% less time on the treadmill or anything like that. (laughs) So it also, uh, it reduces the production of the hormone, which triggers hunger. So by suppressing hunger, that's a right. good thing, you know, awesome. you're reducing right. food consumption. Right. And it reduces that by 10 to 16% based on the scientific studies. Oh, wow. So, so okay. Yeah, reducing hunger and your metabolism is increased, so you're burning stuff more quickly. So, win-win. That's why I have it, you know, every morning on my eggs are loaded with cayenne pepper. Uh, it produces the naturally occurring nitric oxide, which is the blood vessel relaxant that we also find in holy basil and some of the others. So it, it reduces the blood pressure. Um, a cold winter trick with it is if you rub it on your skin, like your feet or your hands, when your feet and hands are really cold, it causes the blood vessels there to dilate, to open up and allows more blood to flow to your extremities, thereby warming them. And so we all, we all needed that a few weeks ago too, with the uh, oregano. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Rub it on. I was doing that. That's an old Minnesota. I grew up in Minnesota and that's an old Minnesotan trick. You know, you, you sprinkle a cayenne pepper in your wool socks before going out uh, and your feet stay warmer. Huh. I'm 6'5". It takes a lot to get the blood down to my feet and back up. And so this is something I do pretty regularly just because of increased circulation in my feet. Just because yeah. I'm so damn tall. <laughs> it takes a lot to, to get in there. Um, oh, the, a lot of times if people are suffering from different chronic pains, uh, especially damaged nerve type pains, uh, the medical professionals will recommend, uh, K2 
capsaicin cream mm-hmm. to rub on it. Uh, I had an issue in my in my legs years ago with that, and it was a capsaicin cream. And basically, what that does is it overloads the nerve cells, uh, drains them of the transmitter they use to indicate, hey, there's pain here. Uh, so it hurts for a little bit, and then it doesn't hurt for a long time after. Hmm. Okay. So, you know, it's not just for feet and hands. It's it's easy to make a salve out of. Go online. It's basically cayenne pepper, olive oil, and beeswax. Yeah. And away you go. And I will warn you, though, it makes a very orange salve. So you want to make sure it's well absorbed into your skin before you let it come in contact with something you don't want stained, stained. or yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the another power about the cayenne pepper is they've shown people that have uh, consume a lot of it, it helps reduce the risk of a number of different types of cancer, including prostate, and pancreatic, and skin cancer. Hmm. And especially with, you know, I'm here in Texas, out in the sun a lot, and of somewhat German and Dutch descents, skin cancer runs in my family. So yeah. I, you know, I always got to keep an eye on it. So I, I, again, I take the cayenne pepper as a preventative mm-hmm. just to help reduce that. One danger with the cayenne pepper is along with the relaxing of the blood vessels, it actually thins the blood some. Okay. And so if you are already taking some sort of blood thinner, even aspirin or ibuprofen, or uh, prescription drugs like warfarin, uh, it can thin your blood to the point where you will bruise easily, mm. or you may have problems if you're injured with the blood clotting. It may take right. longer for the blood to clot. Okay. So something to keep in mind there. Uh, hemophiliacs probably don't want to be taking cayenne yeah. pepper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> so is that, you can find those as pills at the grocery store or? Yeah. Or okay. just, you know, add the the jalapeno or any of the peppers, the hot. Okay, just eat more peppers, basically. Yeah, uh, or the cayenne pepper, you know, the seasoning in the in the grocery store. That's usually okay. I use a mixture of that. Oh, important note. It's best if you combine it with a little bit of black pepper. Okay. The reason being the, the bioabsorption of the caps, uh, capsaicin is increased by... Uh, adding a little black pepper to the cayenne pepper powder. Okay. If you're taking it straight from the peppers and things like that, you're doing okay. But with the with the dried pepper, it's best to add a little black pepper to it. Just uh, the black pepper triggers a bit more of the digestive enzymes that you would okay. want to, to use with that. Okay. So those are, those are just some real easy to grow herbs. We can talk. Uh, there's two weeds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of weeds are starting to to start popping up right now. So people are going to be wanting to identify a little bit of those that might help them. Okay. It, one that uh, amuses the heck out of me is purslane. So purslane is a hot weather uh, herb. It shows up in a lot of people's garden or hot weather, hot weather weed that shows up in a lot of people's gardens. It looks like this green, sorry, uh, red kind of earthworm like looking stems with mm-hmm. green succulent leaves on it. And people pull it up and throw it aside, thinking, ah, this weed, I need to get rid of it. Not realizing that certain fancy grocery stores sell it for like five bucks a pound. (laughs) So the purslane, it's a food. It's a great food and it's a great medicine. And when you just pull it out of the ground and throw it aside, the plant is actually designed that 
works to help spread it. It mm-hmm. contains enough water in it. So even if you pull it out of the ground, it will go through and produce the flowers and produce the seeds and spread the seeds with the water it has stored in it. Hmm. So if you're just pulling it up, that's not enough. You got to you know, eat it. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's extremely nutrient rich, filled with calcium and iron and magnesium and phosphorus, potassium, sodium, vitamin C, thamine, riboflavin, niacin, vitamin B6, folate, and vitamin A. <laughs> but more. It's also very high in omega-3 fatty acids, hmm. which are normally... You know, they recommend taking fish or meat, you mm-hmm. know, sort of to get the omega-3 fatty acids. Finding it in plants is fairly rare, but purslane is loaded with that. Hmm. And shown that the omega-3 fatty acid, it's actually necessary for the uh, healthy heart and brain. It helps, it's uh, instrumental in the creation of the myelin sheath, the coating along your nerves that are critical for the actual nerve impulses to be passed down through the nerves. Mm -hmm. So, and they've shown that the omega fatty acids, uh, one of the things it does along those lines is it seems to help with uh, autistic children Hmm. and those with the uh, attention deficit hyperactive disorder, uh, ADHD. ADHD. Mm -hmm. So feeding the kid purslane, (laughs) <laughs> there you go you maybe if they're gonna the garden, eat this yeah <laughs> and it's tasty it's very very good it has a um, it's like uh i don't know how to do it's personally flavored yeah. well, <laughs> i've heard like control. kind of citrusy or lemony before but i don't know if that's yeah, yeah. And, and that you know, it's like a like celery with uh some lemon pepper salt sprinkled yeah. on it it has a slight salty to it too, but hmm. not enough to, you know, people worried about, ooh, salt intake. No, it's not at that level, but, okay. and all the other good things in there uh, help with you. Um, so some people can develop allergies to it, but that, that really is, can be said about anything. Yeah. So okay. as far as that goes, and you want to make sure it is not the spotted spurge, which looks somewhat yeah. similar Spotted spurge has a red thin stem, whereas a purslane has a red thick stem. The main way to tell them apart, if you snap the stem, the purslane, the good one, the one you want to eat, its sap is colorless, clear and colorless, whereas the spotted spurge has a milky white latex Mm -hmm. sap. So that one is good. Now, I mentioned how plants have a long history of medicinal uses. And over time, they stop being used, um, mainly because people stop believing in them. But there's an interesting one called Scarlet Pimpernel. And it's a very common weed. It's just starting to show up here in the Houston area, but mm-hmm. it's a summer long. But Scarlet Pimpernel, it was considered to be a medicine for melancholy. If hmm. someone was feeling blue and depressed, they would be given a cup of scarlet pimpernel tea and then they would get better. They would feel happier. That no longer works though. And let me explain why. The scarlet pimpernel, what it does is it triggers digestive juices. It's a kind of a bitter thing. A lot of bitter 
uh, herbs and so forth, one of the side effects or one of the properties of it is producing or stimulating the digestive juices. Mm -hmm. The scarlet pimpernel is exceptionally good at that. So it stimulates the digestive juices, which stimulates hunger. The person wants to eat. Back in ye old times, you couldn't just go to the refrigerator or the pantry, grab, you know, bologna sandwich and a bag of Doritos. You could only eat when the family was eating. Yeah. So you would have to, you know, normally when you're depressed, you just want to seal yourself away from people. You don't want to do anything with them. But then they give you the cup of, uh, you know, the scarlet pimpernel tea, and now you're hungry. So to so then you come to dinner and see everybody. Exactly. And they talk and, you know, they, hopefully they love you. And in the end, you know, the, the, the spending time with people over food is a great way to improve your mood. Yeah. And, but nowadays it just triggers a person to go get, you know, Girl Scout cookies are available right now. (laughs) Yep. A single one box serving of Girl Scout. And then you just end up feeling worse. Yeah. So the whole psychology of people and the the way we relate to each other changed and by doing that it took away the medicinal properties of scarlet pimpernel now hmm. if the person we mentioned earlier has a, a illness or doesn't want to eat it's good in that case that you know if there's someone who just doesn't want to eat the scarlet pimpernel will help trigger that hunger and they will hopefully eat some and because they have the increased digestive juices, they will get more nutrients from the little bit of food they do decide to eat. So okay. it still has that property. But as a medicine for melancholy, nope. <laughs> Not so good anymore. <laughs> Not so good anymore. Okay. So and I, there are dozens and dozens of different plants and, well, yeah. culinary herbs and hundreds of weeds and all these things have medicinal properties. It's We just... Don't use them anymore. Yeah. It's convenient. A lot right. of people think the reason, if I'm going to go on a soapbox here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so a lot of people, you know, they think when they think medicine, they think pharmaceutical, you know, the drug industry making stuff to make me better. And the plant medicine was primitive, you know, didn't work so well. Think about this though. It, it takes some time, some effort to make plant medicine. It's not convenient for the masses. It's okay if you have a garden to grow these things or, you know, can go and incorporate, even if it is just, you know, several cups of tea a day, that helps. But most people, they want to pop a pill and get on with their life. Or, you know, just to supply the amount of medicine needed or believed needed by people, mass production is the only way to do it. And plants, harvesting them, drying them, powdering them, converting them to medicine, that isn't very effective from a mass production point of view. Mm-hmm. We can still do it. That's what Medicine Man Plant Co. does. But, uh, you know, for the most people, they they just want the, the pill from the pharmaceutical company because that's generally cheaper and more cost effective to deal with things. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, and so many people, I mean, just don't have... I mean, they could go have an oregano plant in their windowsill, but most people aren't. I mean, a, va- a lot of people just don't have the access to some of this. It's exactly, well. yeah. And so it's it's it it takes resources to grow plants. Yeah, yeah. I like to say the the plants, the plant medicine are for the elite. The you know mass produced are for the masses. So if yeah. you have the, the ability to grow the plants, 
that means you have some resources available that not everyone has. Right, right. So community gardens, look at yes. those. Of course, of course. Well, I just mad, trying to imagine your house. You said, you know, it looks like a witch's, you know, yeah. lair, an herbalist apothecary. <laughs> but um, yeah, and just, I just imagine you loading up your plate with like, oh, this is my portion of oregano today or whatnot. Just like trying to to get it all. So. Taking care of myself and just putting the extra effort into, you know, use it while well, growing it, drying it. Preparing dishes that, you know, it tastes really good in that the yeah. rest of the family will like too, or yeah. nothing else making tea out of it. So it, it takes some effort. Yeah. But well, I, I have I like a it. lot of dried Tulsi that I need to drink, so I will make sure I start drinking it. Yeah, try it. You'll like it. <laughs> yeah, I have. I just I just don't make I just I don't know. I go to other things before I go to that. So <laughs> <laughs> understandable. Yeah. And you know, it's not something, you know, you jump right into, you know, you just it it's a habit that you have to develop like anything else. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Well, I do want to close out a little bit. I know there's so much more you could talk about and maybe you can even send me, I don't know if you have links to some of this research uh sure. so people can actually, you know, look at it a little bit further um because they may have been listening in the car and be like it does what? I don't remember what they what he said. So, um and I'll, I can put that in the show notes, but yeah. um yeah, you know, you said you're you're working with this new company, but where can people find you online? I don't know if you have any upcoming uh, foraging walks because I know it's COVID. I don't know what your schedule's like these days, but yeah. you know, well, one share of the nice anything. Things, yeah, so one of the nice things, uh, at least with COVID, they've been showing more and more. If you're outside, it doesn't spread outside. You know, the the they've been a number of big street parties and things like that where it hasn't been a problem. So outside is fine. So I have started up. Uh, the foraging walks again. Really, the the main center of my internet presence is my Foraging Texas website, www.foragingtexas.com. And from there, you can find, well, information on over 225 wild edible plants, edible and medicinal plants, or medicinal properties, how to use them, when to find them, all that. Uh, upcoming classes where I'll be teaching uh, like this Saturday, it's a little too late to register for it, but this Saturday I will be doing three plant walkabouts for Jesse H. Jones uh, okay. Park yeah. over off 1960 in Houston as part of their Nature Fest. Um, and basically we are entering the time of year when Texans want to be outside. Yep. <laughs> and so pretty much I got classes every weekend now until about well, May. Okay. So, yeah, upcoming classes, there's links to the Medicine Man Plant Co. And then all my other social media stuff, my Facebook, my YouTube channel with over yeah. 100 hours of plant information. Um, so you can binge watch that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and is that YouTube? Is that where you're doing your, your little radio show as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I have... The big radio show. Yep. Yeah, that's what I meant. I meant to say big. Yeah, it yeah, is. yeah. So there's Meriwether's World, yeah. which is an hour long on a specific topic. Uh, so it varies some. It can be plants, plant medicine. I've had different guests ranging from authors of kids books to the top elephant trainer in North America. Oh, wow. That was fun. Uh, last week, we had Alpha uh, Search and Recovery, a canine search and rescue team on, talking about 
um, stories of search and rescue and how not to get lost and what you should do if a loved one gets lost, things like mm. that, oh, which yeah. apply, you know, not only kids, but also Alzheimer's and people with dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, this week, this Thursday, it's Thursday evenings, eight to nine uh, on my Facebook and my YouTube channel at simulcast on both live so people can ask questions. This week, it's going to be introduction to solar power. Oh, that's yeah. uh, and so if you want to set up an emergency solar power system, this is how you do it, and how to scale, how to how to do the. There will be math, but it's simple. <laughs> but how to calculate what your needs are, and then get the right panels and batteries and stuff like that. Um, I will say, Meriwether's World uh, this week was episode ninety six. It will be ending at episode one hundred. Oh, because it's takes up a lot of time yeah these things ready but i also have every morning well every weekday monday through friday same place on the forging texas facebook page and my youtube channel what's called the donut shop at the beginning of the world and what this is uh it started just about a year ago when the covid lockdowns began and i am very aware how seclusion drives people crazy Mm -hmm. and so i knew a lot of people were hurting and so through my own studies of plants and all this stuff one of the things that kept coming back is social interactions you need social interactions so at around 7 25 it goes live and it is like a hundred people sitting at a donut shop talking and having conversations and all this sort of thing and live and and greeting people, you know, it's all the regulars. And so you know, greeting everyone as they show up and they say hi, giving them a place to feel like they belong. We, we refer to ourselves as Chirpy's tribe. <laughs> is in a very loud and demanding mockingbird that lives in my backyard that through the show, I, I broadcast from my backyard and he is just chirping away. Um, and it's just free forming, free flowing conversations. Thing. Whatever people's questions, it can be about plants, it can be about whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just a way of people feeling part of something and belonging to something. Uh, we just started up a Dungeons and Dragons gaming offshoot of it because there's a oh, lot wow. of us, <laughs> our old school D and Ders, and we've realized, hey, you play D and D, I like D and D, so yeah, we're doing that part too. So, but it's a uh, young, old, just conversations a lot of science people ask sciencey questions which i try and answer and yeah, yeah. it's Perfect. fun you have got a lot on your plate that is for sure <laughs> <laughs> oh lord yeah well it helped i don't sleep i'm one of those you know 10 of the population that can survive on three hours of sleep so. oh my oh goodness weaponized insomnia <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing your, uh, your herbal knowledge and coming on the podcast again. And hopefully, you know, maybe I'll get out for another walk with you at some point in the next year. <laughs> um, and uh, hopefully other people will be able to get out and learn a bit more from you as well in person. Cool. That's what I was put here to do. That's it for my conversation with Mark. I'll have the notes Mark had on the specifics for these plants on the show notes for the episode, which you can find at thegardenpathpodcast.com as well as all the places you can follow and reach out to Mark online. I hope you enjoyed the episode and thanks for listening. And until next time, happy gardening.